Thank you, Randy. Thank you, team. Good morning, everybody. Oh, come on. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good morning, you who are uh, connecting with us over the airwaves. That's what we used to call it, right? Online. It's good to have you all with us this morning. Ah, oh, my goodness. What a week. Um, I didn't realize how English I was until the Queen died. And uh, Sandra and I have been glued to it, watching every day the live feed from Westminster Hall where her body is, is lying. What do they call that, Sandra? She's not there. In rest. In rest. The funeral is tomorrow. And um, just following it all. And, you know, it, it's, there's been so much pomp and circumstances. Uh, I, I just, it all began at St. Giles Cathedral. St. Giles Cathedral. Oh, we don't have it on the back screen. St. Giles Cathedral in Edinburgh. She lay there for, for a little bit, and the Scottish people could come and pay their respects. And then uh, Westminster Hall, where she is now, the Palace of Westminster. It's a pretty grand palace, isn't it? <laughs> and then uh, tomorrow is the actual funeral that's going to be in Westminster Abbey, which is the next one, which is a pretty grandiose place. And then uh, she goes to St. George's Chapel, in Windsor, I've spelled chapel wrong. Did I spell chapel wrong, Sandra? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's metric. <laughs> the little chapel at Windsor Castle, where she used to live. And the only reason I, I show you all these things is it, it got me thinking about all these magnificent buildings. You know, and watching the services from inside them, the one in Scotland was was pretty impressive, and Sandra and I are going to be about four in the morning to watch everything as it unfolds from London. And it just got me thinking about these, these magnificent buildings, and they're all built in honor to honor our Lord. That's what the purpose of these buildings are, and the impetus for, for all of these magnificent buildings, and there are so many. I mean, you go over to European cities, and the skyline is just dotted with church spires and towers and, you know, all inspired initially from the idea of the temple. And the temple was God's idea. This morning, as we continue on in our series, The Relational Jesus, I want us to look at something that's a little bit kind of, it's fuzzy for me. And that's the importance of the temple in our relationship with Jesus. You know, sometimes as evangelists, as, as evangelical Christians, Baptists especially, I think we undermine the importance of the temple sometimes. I know I have. And it all comes down to this concept of what is church. You know, we talk about going to church, and you hear me preach all the time. You don't go to church. We are the church, and the church goes with us. And, and you know, and we, we, we want to protect from the hierarchy because there are so many churches that have a hierarchy, right? The Catholic one is the one that's best known. You've got the Pope, and then you've got 
the cardinals and then the archbishops and the bishops and all the way down to, the, to what they call the laity. And each level answers to the level above. They have authority. And uh, a lot of churches uh, are run that way. The Presbyterian Church, the Methodist Church, the Anglican Church, to name a few. As Southern Baptists, we don't have a hierarchy. Every church is autonomous. We don't answer to anyone from an authoritative perspective. We have an association. We have a, a convention of like-minded churches that, that share a statement of beliefs. And if you stray away from that statement of beliefs, or you do something that brings the whole thing into disrepute, most certainly somebody from the association or the convention is going to come and say, uh, we don't really want you to be part of us anymore, so go away. <laughs> but there's no hierarchy. And in the Baptist faith, we believe that everyone answers to God and God alone. You don't have to come to me to, to get to God. You, you can get to God on your own. No one dis determines how we worship. No one determines what I preach on from week to week. My sister's part of a church in England, and, and they tell her each week that here's, here's next week's subject matter. Here are the scriptures. We don't have any of that stuff. We don't have scripted prayers. We're free to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I remember one time I performed a funeral here, and uh, <laughs> it was a mixed marriage. One half of the family was Catholic, and the other half was Baptist. And I had the funeral here. And I remember one of the ladies came to me afterwards, one of the ladies that was part of the Catholic faith. And she said, it's so free. And I could see a little glint in her eye. It was almost like she was thinking, I wish we could be free like that. And I think sometimes, all of that to say, I think sometimes in our zeal to protect our freeness, we forget the importance of things like the temple and, and, and liturgy sometimes. I know I have. So I want to talk about the temple this morning. The temple was important to Jesus, very important to Jesus. We know of at least two occasions, we talked about one last week, where he was incensed at the manner in which the religious leaders were devaluing the temple. And I don't know if you remember what his words were in John, he says, Going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. He addressed the temple as his father's house. That was at the beginning of his ministry. At the end of his ministry, the week before his crucifixion, a similar scene in Matthew 21. It says, he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. So again, note his word. My temple, my father's house, my temple. The temple was important to Jesus. And it wasn't just a meeting place. It was deeply personal. It, it, it was relational to him. A holy place. And the whole concept of the temple began with God, all the way back in the day of Moses. A little bit of history here, and then we'll get where we're going. Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days conversing with God. He's in the cloud, and the people are all waiting for him down there. When he comes down, he's glowing because he's been in the presence of God. 
And at some point up there, God gives him the Ten Commandments, but also he gives him the plans for the temple or for the tabernacle. Begins in Exodus 25. And he says to, to Moses, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. And it continues on in great detail through, through chapter 31. Seven chapters, if you want to read it. Seven chapters of detailed instructions as to what the tabernacle would be. All the, the, the furnishings, what the priests would wear, how they would be dedicated, how they would perform the, the service. Um, every single detail. And there were three parts to the, to the tabernacle. The outer courtyard, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And it was as you got closer to God, it got more holy. Now, I'm not going to get into all of that. I just want to kind of bring it to your attention. And the whole thing was portable. It was during the days that the Israelites were traveling through the, the desert. And they would pick this thing up. Wrap it up. Different groups had different responsibilities. And they would take it with them and then set it up again. If you go to the next slide... There was a, a specific way that all of the tribes would encamp around the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, with it in the center. And everywhere they stopped, it had to be set up in the exact prescribed manner that the Lord had instructed. It was a big deal. And it was no small undertaking. And when the Lord was present, there would be smoke and fire. They knew that he was there. So we get into one of these mysteries of our relationship with the Lord, our very relational Lord. God is omnipresent, right? That means that God is everywhere at all times. So if God is omnipresent, why did we need a meeting place? Why did we need somewhere to go and meet with God, because God is everywhere. Because it wasn't for the Lord. It was for the people. And it's a big deal, it's important to the Lord that his people feel his presence. It was a place to kind of bring their attention to him. Even though he's everywhere, sometimes we need a little bit more, don't we? I mean, sometimes I know I look for a place to go and just settle down and be quiet and be with the Lord, but the Lord is wherever I be. And then, the, like I say, this thing was temporary. And when they got to the promised land and settled in, time to build a permanent structure. That was the temple. Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived, undertook the building of the temple. It took seven years to build, and it was very similar. You had an upper court. You had a, a number of courts. Everything got bigger. The holy place was bigger. The holy of holies was bigger. But it was basically the same thing. You start outside, you get holier and holier. And only certain people could go into the holy of holies. And everybody was called to come to the temple. And when Solomon, and when the priests were dedicating it, when they bought the last piece of furniture in, which was the Ark of the Covenant, as they were coming out, in the middle of the service, God showed up and filled the place with smoke. And they couldn't finish the service because of all of this smoke of the presence of God. Because God wanted them to know, I am here with you. I am among you. You are my people. This is 
our meeting place. That temple got destroyed. A new temple was built and then added to by Herod. And that was the temple that Jesus knew. But there was no longer this physical manifestation of the Lord at the temple. They didn't see the smoke and all of this stuff. But the temple was still important. And Jesus demonstrated that. My father's house, my house, this is my place. This is where where I meet with, with my God. We're at the beginning of that ministry, you know. But the Jewish leaders demanded, when he's tipping over the tables, the Jewish leaders commanded, what are you doing? (laughs) Sorry, I missed something. So God was no longer showing up in this great big powerful cloud. But Jesus was in the process of transitioning the followers of God to meet God in a new way. He said, I am am the temple and that's what this scripture is but the jewish leaders demanded what are you doing if god gave you authority to do this show us a miraculous sign to prove it all right jesus replied destroy this temple and in three days i will raise it up what they exclaimed it has taken 46 years to build this temple can you imagine how magnificent that place must have been 46 years That's a long time. 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Jesus was foreshadowing two things, the physical destruction of the temple, which was going to happen 70 years later, and his death and resurrection. Destroy this temple, this body. I will raise it again after three days. He is declaring, I am the temple of God. I am now your meeting place with God. If you want to get to God from here on, you get to God through Jesus, through me. And in Matthew 12, 6, he said, I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. Now, in fact, that was so significant, they used that against him in his trial. He claimed to be more important than than the temple. But the transition continues on beyond Jesus. When Jesus was about to leave his disciples, he called them together and he said this, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And then Paul built on this teaching in 1 Corinthians. He said, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So the temple starts off as this temporary thing that's moving around. Then it's this physical structure. Then it's Jesus. And now it's you and I. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, th- th- this is massive. I know this is a little bit dry, but we'll get there in a second. This, this is huge for the believer if you put your head around it. And, and sometimes I think we take it too lightly. I know I have. What was the temple? It was a physical structure designed for a spiritual purpose. It was the meeting place between man and God. It was a place of worship. It was a place of giving. It was a place of service. It was a place of learning. It was a place of ministry. It was a sanctuary. It was a holy place. And it was a safe place. And I love that word sanctuary. In fact, if you look in the scripture, before we ever had tabernacle or temple, we had sanctuary. In fact, Moses sings it. It's kind of neat. After they've come through the, the, the Red Sea, God has parted the sea. The Israelites come through. They get to the other side. The Egyptians get in the middle and God buries them. First thing Moses does is sing a song. Sings a song of praise with the people. And in it, he says, you will bring them. I'm not singing it. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, reserved for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And he's talking about his people being in this sanctuary. We are the temple. We are the sanctuary. You know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And I've been hung up. On this phrase at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Father, may your name be kept holy. It's just been, I can't let it go. Think about this. How intimate, how relational our God is. The triune God. The Trinity, a very difficult concept. God the Father, who we cannot look upon. He's too magnificent for us to look upon. So he made himself human and came in the form of Jesus, God the Son. And then God, in the form of Jesus, departed. And before he departed, he said, I will send you the Holy Spirit. So there you've got the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is part of the triune God, God in us. We bear the name Christian. So when we say, Father, may your name be kept holy, it's on us to keep his name holy. We're the ones who bear his name. This is, this is so important. It's an incredible responsibility that God has placed upon us. You and I are now the temples of God. We are the meeting place of God. And the contents of the temple, which were so important to God back then, are still vitally important today. You see, whatever we put in this physical body, whether it's what we see or we hear, we read, we drink, we eat, Whatever we put in this body are the contents of the temple. We bring it into the temple of God. And the temple of God is important. So let me ask you a question. What's in 
your temple. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, hatred, selfishness, greed, envy, lust. It matters. Getting heavy on you this morning. It matters. It matters to you. It matters to me. It matters to God. It matters to those around us. You know, back in the day, the people saw the smoke and the flames as the presence of the Lord. How is the Lord present in the world today? Through his church. Us. And what goes in this temple is important. Think about your temple. I love this word sanctuary. I want to talk about that for a second. When you think of the word sanctuary, what, what comes to mind? A safe place? A place of refuge? A place where you can come and be real? A place where you can bear your soul? A place of, of grace and mercy? Maybe a place of learning? A place to garner knowledge and, and understanding and instruction and wisdom? Maybe a place of purpose, a place of hope, a holy place. As a follower of Christ, you are called to be the sanctuary. Set apart for a holy purpose. You know, I think that God is doing a holy thing amongst us here. He is moving us, he's leading us to a better place spiritually. You know, just lately I have seen an incredible increase in the attack of Satan on the families here at Lakeway. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but it's pretty widespread. I don't think you know completely what I'm talking about, including our elders' families. And it's nasty because Satan is nasty. But here's what I believe. Satan is attacking us because he is scared. He is scared of a movement of the Holy Spirit here at Lakeway. And he's trying to snuff it out before it begins. And that includes you people who are watching online too. I believe God wants to take us to a deeper place of holiness as a church. for that to happen, there has to be a purging, a removing of the obstacles, the deep-seated hurts, the habits, the hang-ups that hold us back and hold us down. And the first step to that happening is confession. It's when we go to God and say, man, this is a struggle for me. I admit it's a struggle for me. I haven't been able to get past this, God. The second step is repentance. That's a change of thinking, a change of mind, changing the way we think about something. I'm not just going to live with this any longer, God. I want to do something about it, God. I'm not sure what to do yet, but I'm bringing it to you because I want change in my life. 
I want to be that holy sanctuary that you've called me to be. And this is getting in the way. Change my thinking, Father. And the third step is action. That's actively pursuing change. Out with the old and in with the new. And that doesn't happen overnight. But I believe it begins now. And we will see what God is going to do with it. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We only played three songs at the start, right? They owe you one. You got it covered. I'm going to ask them to come up and lead us in a song of preparation to prepare us for God, what God wants to do. And I want this to be a prayerful time. You know, we have a bunch of ladies that are down at um, a woman's conference right now. And as I was doing this, I thought, I know the Holy Spirit is moving down there amongst those ladies. And I know the Holy Spirit wants to move amongst us here this morning. And as we're singing in a moment, if you feel led to come and pray, I want to invite you to come down. And I'm going to be sitting here. Nancy and Kevin are going to be up here. Sandra's going to come up if you'd like someone to pray with you. And after the song, I will come and close out the message time with a prayer. Now, here's what I would like you to consider. I want to make this very personal, all right? Getting heavy on you today. What does it mean for you to be a sanctuary to those around you? To be that safe place. To be that place of grace and forgiveness and mercy. To be the place where other people can come and bear their souls. To be a place of truth and love. What does that look like in your life? I want you to consider that for a moment. And what would need to change in your life? For that to begin to happen, what would need to come out and what would need to go in in order for you to be the sanctuary that God has called you to be? We're all a work in progress, aren't we? And it doesn't matter where you're at spiritually, there's always a time to take stock of where you're at and come back to God and say, you know what, God, I've been doing okay, but this, this thing here is stopping me from being fully what you've called me to be. This anger or this bitterness or this hurt or this habit or this hang-up is getting in the way of me being fully who you've called me to be. And it's time to let it go. What do you need to be that same? me to be a sanctuary
someone pray with you this is your opportunity let's pray oh lord prepare our hearts prepare us to be the people that you've called us to be humble us that we would see ourselves as you see us and see others as you see them broken sinners in need of grace in need of mercy in need of forgiveness Father, I pray that you would strengthen us for the battle, that we would not succumb to temptation and unify us as one in your name. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing. 
Make us a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I have one last scripture for you, Ephesians 2, 21, 20 and 21. It says, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. That's who we are. That's who we are in Christ. One last word before we take up our offering. As I said, I believe that God is beginning a work here. This coming weekend, the elders and I are going away to Camp Copus for a couple of days to, um, for an extended time of prayer and planning ahead for this church. And we covet your prayers. I think that's why Satan has been attacking so much because this has been on our calendar for a while. And I covet your prayers. So I'm going to ask you to put a reminder in your phone to pray for us each day this week right through Sunday. Now, I want to be very specific about this. So I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask you to take a time to pray. And I'm going to ask you right here, who will take 9 a.m.? Someone take 9 a.m. Raise a hand. Who will pray? You've got 9 a.m. Put it in your phone for me. Who will take 10 o'clock? You've got 10 o'clock. Who will take 11? You've got 11. Who will take noon? You've got noon. Who will take 1 p.m.? Paul, you've got 1 p.m. Who will take 2 p.m.? You've got 2 o'clock. Who will take 3 o'clock? You've got 3 o'clock. I sound like an auctioneer, don't I? Do I hear 4? <laughs> 4 o'clock. 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Put it in your phone. 8 o'clock. 9 o'clock. And last one, we'll go to 10. Who's got 10? Come on, I need a 10 o'clock prayer. You can't, we're praying for you. <laughs> 10 o'clock. We, we will be praying. Please put that in your phone. It warms my heart to know from the morning, breakfast time until time sundown for bed that the elders of this church, the leader of sh leadership of this church is being prayed for. And here's what I want you to pray for. Whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to pray for. But I need you to pray for our protection. I need you to pray for our unity. We don't have a problem with unity. We don't want one. For wisdom and insight in love. All right? And whatever the Spirit leads you to pray. So a good deal? Thank you. Announcements and offering. Oh, and sign-up sheets. I don't know if there's anything here are on the back table. You'll see what I'm talking about for Sunday school. Okay. We have those come forward to take up the offering. So thanks for reminding me that the ladies were gone. When I stepped up here, I was like, it looks kind of light today. That explains it.
Let's say a prayer for our offering. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you this morning that we have an opportunity to give the first fruits of what you've given us. And uh, we do this right now in the form of this offering that helps this church to function. And uh, we thank you for this offering, and may we use it to glorify you in all ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And uh, we have quite a few announcements this morning. Um, new 9 a.m. adult Sunday school classes. Um, we have a sign-up today. The sheets are out in the, in the foyer, Mike just told me. We have a women's ministry birthday celebration. Um, all ladies are invited. Um, they're joined for fellowship and light refreshments um, and celebrating July, August, and September birthdays. This will be next Sunday, September 25th from 9.30 to 10.15 a.m. Um, over here in the fellowship hall. Um, we have a youth group event on Sunday, October 2nd um, after the 10.30 service at Strikes Bowling, Laser Tag, and Arcade. This is at 8789 Lebanon Road in Frisco. Uh, There's a $5 donation to contribute to pizza and drink. Um, carpool options available. Contact Nancy. Nancy, raise your hand. If you need her phone number, contact any one of us or Kevin. We'll get it to you. Um, Camp Copus event. Um, Serve together. Sunday, October 2nd from 3 to 4 p.m., at Camp Copus, uh, join us. We pack bags and rice for Ukraine families. Um, you can register at DentonBaptist.org. And finally, um, we're getting into a busy part of the year, the holiday season. Um, we've got a few events coming up. Our fifth annual coat drive and fall festival will be October 23rd um, out on the lawn. Um, we'll have all kinds of activities um, going on and some good food for everyone to come out and enjoy that day together. And uh, we get an opportunity to do good things for our community as well. Our women's ministry auction and chili cook-off, November 13th. Um, Thanks giveaway, where we uh, provide meals for, for families, will be uh, Thanksgiving Day um, in that morning. And uh, toy run will be December 4th. And uh, Living Nativity is scheduled for December 9th through 11th. Is there anything that we missed? Um, if you would like. I heard that. I know it's Bob's birthday, but we don't tell people about other people's birthdays. Where are you, Bob? It's Bob's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Bob. So we changed our service time till 1030. And we talked about having a Sunday school hour from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So on that back table, there are sign-up sheets. We have potentially three offerings for Sunday school at this time. Not sure how they're going to pan out. There's no subject matter on them, and that's intentional. As we go for our retreat this weekend, that may dictate what's going to be on those sheets. But if you're interested in being part of a Sunday school class... Please go back there, sign up, let us know if you've got kids that need to be taken care of, and um, what group. We've got um, potentially Phil, potentially Phil doing a senior group, Mo Kinsley, Mo, where are you? I know you're here, doing an anything group, and um, anything goes. Brandon and Courtney Klein, who is going to do a group aimed at 
people with kids and, and the younger. Now, go in whatever group you like. <laughs> but that's the idea. So please sign up back there. That's it, sir. You want to pray us out? Sure. Let's all stand up and we'll say a prayer as we leave. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this message you've given us today uh, through Mike. Lord, it, just let it uh, rain through our hearts and let us continue to seek out those things that, that you would speak to us on how our bodies can be the temple that your Holy Spirit wants to live in and to help us to do the things that, that you do. Father, and for our ladies that are um, out of town, we just ask a hedge of protection around them um, as they come back. Uh, bind the power of Satan that would try to interfere with um, the good that you've done in their lives and uh, keep them safe on their travels home. And we ask a blessing on everyone here today and everyone online with us. In this Jesus' name we pray. Amen.